0: Shalom, everyone. Shabbat shalom. I'm Monty Judah with Lionel Lamb Ministries. Welcome to our teaching this year where Torah is for all people. We have a unique Sabbath this week because we are in the midst of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so our theme and our teaching is about Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Uh, I just want to do a short review today for those of us that are enjoying our matzah. Uh, about these spring holidays, what is God's instructions with regard to them? What is the feast that we're beginning to keep and have been keeping this week? And to give a little bit of uh, understanding to it and why the Lord has selected these things. The Lord has given us the feasts uh, that we celebrate throughout the year, beginning with Passover, as a memorial, he said, to remember what the Lord has done in, in with regard to our redemption. But the rest of the feasts after Passover begin to move into the realm of explaining what God's great plan is for carrying out that redemption all the way to the kingdom. So the seven feasts, the Levitical feasts, tell us a story prophetically as we move forward. And we've already seen uh, the spring feasts and Shavuot already fulfilled in a sense. We're still looking for the fall feast. Now, I'm going to concentrate on the spring feast here because that's where we're at. We're in the midst of that. And I want to take you to the actual instruction of the Torah where Passover, Unleavened Bread, and the Feast of First Fruits is um, taught to us and given to us. And I'm, I want you to take some observations along with me as we share it from the Scripture. We're in Leviticus chapter 23, and this is the chapter in which it's part of a more um, Torah portion in which Moses is given instructions on the first of the seven uh, feasts. So join with me now, chapter 23, Leviticus, and beginning at verse 2, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, the Lord's appointed times, which you shall proclaim as holy convocations, my appointed times are these. And in the Hebrew, we call them the Moedim, the appointed times. God has made an appointment with us that he would like us to assemble and meet with him at those particular times, the Moedim. Verse 3, he starts off with what is going to be the base of, element of all of the feasts of Israel, and that is the Sabbath itself. The observance of a Sabbath is an integral part of many of the feasts. So he's going to review that again with us to set the standard for how some of the feasts are going to be honored and and, uh, proclaimed. Verse 3, for six days work may be done, but on the seventh day there's a Sabbath, a complete rest, a holy convocation. You shall not do any work. It is a Sabbath for the Lord, uh, to the Lord, in all of your dwellings. All right. So we've restated what the Sabbath says. So what does he reiterate about the Sabbath? It is a day of complete rest. You cease from your labors. You're not going to do your normal thing. Furthermore, it is a holy convocation. You're going to assemble with your brethren for these events. Now on the weekly Sabbath, we come together and have Sabbath services, that's our holy convocation. But we're going to take this idea of the Sabbath, a complete rest and a holy convocation, and we're now going to use it as a building block for how the feasts of the Lord are going to be kept. And we'll see that here very clearly for us. Verse 4, these are the appointed times of the Lord holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at the times appointed for them. And God's going to be very specific about exactly when they are. In fact, if we read uh, verse 5, In the first month, that's the month of Nisan or Aviv, uh, on the fourteenth day of the month at twilight is the Lord's Sabbath. Now, the key words there that confuse a lot of people are at twilight. What exactly is at twilight? Let me go ahead and just give you the uh, simplified term. From about 3 o'clock in the afternoon until sunset is referred to as the twilight. That's in the Hebrew understanding. That's the conclusion of the day, and so they say we're into the twilight leading into the next day. And so he says, at the twilight... You're going to begin to observe it, but the 14th day of Nisan is when you're going to keep the Passover. So the way it works is that we prepare the lamb uh, on the at late afternoon of the 13th. That's the best way I can explain it to you in our terms. And then come sundown on the evening of the 14th, the eve of the 14th, eating all the way until midnight, we eat the Passover Seder. So Passover is observed at night, but it begins at the twilight of it. So it's like at the very first edge of the 14th of Nisan, we begin to observe the Passover, and into the Passover night, we observe the Passover. So it's on the 14th of Nisan. Let me go a little bit further. Verse 5, In the first month, On the fourteenth day of the month, at twilight, it is the Passover. Then on the fifteenth day of the same month, the feast of unleavened bread to the Lord. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not do any laborious work. For in seven days you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. And on the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall not do any labors work. So let me review. Passover is on the 14th. We get done with the Passover. The very next day is the 15th, and at the evening of the 15th day, it's a high Sabbath. It's a holy Sabbath. It's the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Well, back up here for a second, Monty. We also eat unleavened bread, matzah, at the Passover. That's right. But this is now specifying seven days following Passover, you definitely eat unleavened bread. So on the 15th, we have a high Sabbath in the month of Nisan. It's a specific date on the Hebrew calendar. Then for seven days, we eat unleavened bread. And then on the 21st, which is the seventh day, we hold another holy convocation another high sabbath now in the course this is just the logic here in the course of those 7 days the weekly sabbath is also going to fall somewhere so if you're keeping the feast of unleavened bread there's going to be at least possibly uh, at least two possibly three days that you could be keeping sabbaths so you'd have the two high sabbaths if it coincidentally follows on a weekly Sabbath, then that would be combined with it. But you could possibly have a high Sabbath, a weekly Sabbath, and a high Sabbath occurring in the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That's very noteworthy when you get to see what the next instruction is. And and, And because it becomes a variable for us, there's no variability about the Passovers on the 14th. There's no variability with regard to the Feast of Unleavened. As to when it falls on the 15th and the 21st. But there's now going to be variability when it comes to the observance of the feast of first fruits. Let me explain to you, and we're going to begin uh, here at verse 9. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When you enter the land which I'm going to give to you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring in the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. Let me back up and let's make sure we know what we're talking about. The first sheaves of grain that come in the springtime for Israel is not wheat. It's barley. So they bring barley sheaves in. They could be green barley sheaves, ripe barley sheaves, but they bring the very first of that harvest in and they take those sheaves and they're going to wave them before the Lord in, in the ceremony of the Feast of Firstfruits. They're going to do, do that, wave those before the Lord. Now, 50 days later, seven Sabbaths away, we're going to take the grain and mill it into a flour to make loaves of bread. And at the Feast of Weeks, we're going to wave loaves of bread together. So it starts with the grain and goes to the final product of the bread. It starts with barley, and will go to wheat bread. Now, it's kind of interesting because God has used the idea of growing grain, uh, the bread of life and so forth, as many powerful symbols to try to explain spiritual things to us. Here's a holiday that is going to be geared to that. Now let me back up for just a little bit. This observance of these sheaves of grain obviously is coming in the springtime. Passover is observed in the month of Nisan or Aviv, however you prefer, that which means springtime. And so there's always the question about whether or not we're going to have the month that's before that, Adar, are we going to have ADAR 1 or are we also going to have ADAR 2? Sometimes long years have both of those months, ADAR 1, ADAR 2. And as it concludes winter, so that Nissan always comes in the springtime, there's not just 12 months to the Hebrew calendar, there's adjustments. Let me go ahead and just tell you very quickly in a course of 19 years, Seven of those years will be what we call long years. They will have dar too. So the key is when do we declare springtime? When do we declare the first of Nisan? And the way we do it is that we need to see that barley grain that we're talking about. We need to see it, as they say in the scripture, in the ear. Now, what exactly does that mean? It means that the barley stalks have come up, that they're mature enough that they have produced grain. And there is definite grain there. So that the idea is that that grain and those sheaves will be ready to wave before the Lord at the Feast of First Fruits. If you're too late and, you know, in declaring Aviv, well then the grain is. Is uh, you know isn't isn't green. It isn't new growth. Uh, if you do it too early, then the grain hasn't matured enough. And so the de- declaration of the month of Aviv is very crucial, and for us setting up and following the holidays. Now, there's been some controversy in recent years with regard to that, even within our messianic community. The Hillel calendar, the Diaspora calendar, the calendar of the dispersed that we have has calculated this all out and has determined when the month of Aviv comes each year. But there are some of our Messianic brethren that are in the land of Israel they're riding around looking for barley, I guess, growing in various fields or in the gutters along the road. And every once in a while they'll pipe up and they'll say, hey, we saw the barley uh, in the ear, so this uh, next month has got to be Nisan. And it sows tremendous confusion about, do we start here or do we start a month later? And things like that. I'd like to weigh in on that. Let's keep it simple, brethren. The Hillel calendar has worked for the last two millennia. There's no reason for us to alter that. Secondly, we have no authority, even as Messianic believers in Yeshua the Messiah, we have no authority... To make these adjustments and changes, uh, meaning we have no authority to declare a different month of of Eve. The fact of the matter is, it was done in the temple by the uh, uh, elders of Israel, the elders of the tribes, along with the priesthood, along with the king. We don't have that, that group. And so we don't have the proper recognized authority to be able to change that. What we do have is we have an established, calculated calendar which works. Now, sometimes the calculations are getting off when the actual start date of each month is. In fact, because of time and space, the calculation that was done back some three around 300 A.D. is off by a few days. And so we have updated calendars on Rosh Hodash, but we don't change the months as to when the months are in the diaspora. That's the simplest way that we can reduce the confusion and that we can all be in agreement on when we observe the feasts of the Lord. A lot of people get caught up in that, and I encourage you, stay away from that. And whatever your congregational leader has instructed you to do, follow him and, and cooperate with your brethren and observe the feasts together as a holy convocation. If you really want to dig into the details of it, there are a lot of teachers that are addressing this, and you can get more details. But let me just encourage you, uh, the calendar that Lion and Lamb uh, Ministries publishes each year, we've kind of sorted all that stuff out, and you'll find that's where most Messianic brethren are at. And so I encourage you to follow that particular calendar, especially when it comes to the declaration of the month of Aviv. So here we are, the month of Aviv. Passover is on the 14th day. A feast of unleavened bread is on the 15th through the uh, 21st. And now we're trying to figure out when is this feast of first fruits? So let me read again to what the Lord has to say about the instruction. So we gather in and we uh, have the sheaves of the first fruit of the harvest. Verse 11 You shall wave the sheaf before the Lord for you to be accepted on the day. After the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it on the day after the Sabbath. you remember me telling you that in the Feast of Unleavened Bread there's going to be one weekly uh, Sabbath? It's that Sabbath. It's the weekly Sabbath. It's not the first high Sabbath. It's not the second high Sabbath. It's the weekly Sabbath on the day after the weekly Sabbath. How do I know that for certain? Because the instruction then says that I'm to count off seven of those Sabbaths. I'm to count off seven weekly Sabbaths. And on the morrow after the seventh Sabbath, which, by the way, will be 50 days. Stay with me now. Seven days in a week times seven weeks, that's 49. The morrow after the Sabbath, that would be the 50th day. So sometime during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when that weekly Sabbath happens, on the day after that Sabbath is the day of the Feast of first fruits. And in the temple, they would take those barley sheaves, many times they were green, they would wave them before the Lord, and here's what the ceremony would be about while they're waving them before the Lord. Thank you, God, for the resurrection of life. These seeds previously had died. They were buried. They were put in the ground. They were watered with the waters of salvation. And they came up out of the ground in newness of life. And so that's the picture of the resurrection. And so they would thank God for the resurrection of life. Now, do you understand why this is the date, the feast of first fruits? that Yeshua of Nazareth came out of the grave. He was the fulfillment of the Feast of fruits. He had died, he was buried, and he came back in newness of life. And that's part of the story of redemption. You and I are in this world, and subject to the things of this world, including sin and death, and in most cases, almost, almost all cases, uh, we're going to live our mortal life and then we're going to pass from mortality. But because of our faith in the Messiah, because of the work of the Messiah, we're going to be passed from death to life and we're going to be raised in newness of life, just like that grain raises up into new grain, new grain plants. And so they symbolize all of this Passover lamb is the one that paid the redemption, and that leads to the resurrection of life. So you see how the feast all fits together? And we do it unleavened bread because we're separating it from the world. These aren't normal things of the world, of leavened things. These are unleavened things. In other words, these are holy things that are taking place as opposed to the world, which is unholy. So all of this falls within the holiness of God, And it's what God is doing for us. This is His work of redemption. It's illustrated for us in these feasts. And the Lord reminds us each year to keep these feasts expressly so that we will understand and know how God's redemption works for us, that we have the promise of the resurrection. I want to share just a personal note with you. One of the things I've discovered about life is that as you, as you get older, and um, I'm, you know, we're talking past 50, when you really start getting older, the subject and the thought about the resurrection comes up a whole lot more in your thinking than it ever did before. Okay, I've been walking with the Lord, been believing the Lord, Now I'm getting to the point where that resurrection thing, that being raised from the dead thing, is starting to take on a lot more meaning with me. Have I made the right decision? Have I done it correctly before the Lord? What assurance can I have that that I'll be raised? And especially as we begin to lose loved ones, boy, does that put that in focus. All of a sudden, we're very... Interested, we're very concerned about, will my loved one be raised? Will I get to see them again? And and at funerals amongst believers, we always speak of the hope that we have for the resurrection in the future, to see our loved one again. In my particular case, I'm looking forward to seeing my mother and my grandfather and my first wife and my friends that I've had that I've lost. Uh, to mortality in the, in this world and even for myself am I gonna am I just gonna go into nothingness or am I gonna be raised too? these feasts are given to us every year why because God wants to remind you in every year of your life that this is what's going to happen to you you remember you were dead, you got buried, but I'm going to raise you in newness of life. You are going to be like that green barley sheaf that comes back out of the ground. And that is, I don't know for you, but for me, I find that to be personally very encouraging. And I agree with the Lord's wisdom of us doing this every year reminding ourselves. Now, when you're younger, and you don't pay attention to the subject of resurrection, you're not worried about your mortality, why this feast looks like more symbolism doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you. And quite honestly, a lot of us observe the feast simply because the Lord said so, and because our community's doing it, or other brethren do it. Can I recommend something to you this year? You need to think about this for just a little bit deeper. You're really counting on the Lord for this, and by going through these feasts and observing them, you're going to get the correct reminders about what they are, and it'll be of great encouragement to you. So I encourage you in your observance of Passover, Unleavened Bread, and the Feast of First Fruits, take it to heart. It's very important to you, and I assure you that as you get older, it'll become even more important to you uh, as you approach mortality. Let me continue to read this instruction that we have for the Feast of Firstfruits. Uh, verse 12. Now, on the day when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a male lamb one year old without defect or a burnt offering to the Lord. It's a grain offering shall be one two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, an offering fire to the Lord for a soothing aroma and with its libation, a fourth of a hen of oil. I'm not going to continue to read on, but let me just tell you something. There's more detail, instruction from Moses for the the sacrifices to be presented on that day than virtually any other feast, with the exception of the Feast of Tabernacles. Moses gave explicit detail about what is to be done in the temple, what kind of sacrifices are to be observed uh, for the keeping during the Feast of Unleavened, to keep the Feast of First fruits, These are things that happen during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, just like you and I are right now observing the Feast of Unleavened Bread. This is what would be happening in the temple if the temple was with us. Now, let me get you down here to the conclusion of it. It leads to another holiday. It leads all the way to the Feast of Weeks because, you see, on that day of the Feast of first fruits, on the morrow after that Sabbath, that becomes day one of the counting of 50 days. And we count seven Sabbaths. You know that six days later is the Sabbath, then another week it's a Sabbath, then another week it's a Sabbath. We count seven Sabbaths, and we come to the day after the seventh Sabbath, and it's the 50th day since the Feast of Fruits. And again, we wave the grain sheaf on day one. We wave loaves at the end on the 50th day. And that 50th day, called the Feast of Weeks, seventh Sabbath, Feast of Weeks, is when we, uh, it's, it specifically is a very specific holiday for us. Shavuot. Verse 21, on this same day, that's the morrow of the seventh, You shall make a proclamation as well. You are to have a holy convocation. You shall do no labor's work. It is to be a perpetual statute in all your dwelling places throughout your generations. So, interestingly enough, when we go back and look historically how this happened with Moses and the children of Israel, they were in Egypt for the Passover. During the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they were eating the bread of haste, and they were running away from Egypt. On the seventh day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they crossed the Red Sea. They were then free, and somewhere in the midst of that is this holiday called the Feast of First Fruits, and we start this variable count. Now remember, Passover's on the 14th, Unleavened Bread's on the 15th through the 21st, what date is the Feast of First Fruits? We don't know. Why? Because it's on the morrow after the weekly Sabbath that falls in there. And the weekly Sabbath is, is, is just is perpetual, it just keeps going. And you could have a Sabbath happening on any holiday or the day after or whatever. And so there's a variability. The weekly Sabbath will fall somewhere in the Feast of Unleavened Bread And because of that, that's when you're going to start the Feast of First Fruits. So there's no way they can specify the date on when the Feast of First Fruits is. And as a consequence, you can no longer specify the date for the Feast of Weeks because it's 50 days after that variable. Now, it's a fact. Passover has a very specific date. Unleavened Bread has very specific dates. Firstfruits does not have a specific date. As a consequence, the Feast of Weeks does not have a specific date. Unless you go to Pharisaic Judaism. And here's what they do with this. First of all, they make Passover a Sabbath. And they don't start it on the 14th. They start it on the 15th. And then they count off eight days. They don't end on the 21st. They end on the 22nd. So on the 15th of Nisan, they have Passover and they call it a Sabbath. And then they count over seven additional days. And on the last day, the 22nd, they make that one. You want to talk about fouling up something completely opposite of what the Scripture says, you got it. You don't have to go any further with this. Instead of being on the 14th and the 15th and 21st being unleavened bread, they move Passover to the Feast of Unleavened Bread and then they add more to the Feast of Unleavened Bread. I want to remind you of something the Lord warned us about. He specifically told the disciples Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Because in the days that Yeshua was operating with His disciples, this controversy was going on. In fact, this is one of the issues that separated the Pharisees from the Sadducees. The Pharisees did Passover and Feast of Unleavened Bread the way Judaism does it today. The Sadducees, in the temple, did it the way Moses specified. And that's the reason why there's so much confusion in the New Testament with a lot of brethren about, did the Lord really eat the Passover with uh, His disciples, and when exactly did He come out of the grave, and how many days and nights, and they get all wrapped around the, the axle about what we call the passion of the Passover. And it's very confusing to him. And one of the fundamental problems is that modern-day Judaism, which is following Pharisaic Judaism, has fouled up this holiday. We as messianics are not following Judaism. We're going back to the teaching of Moses. We're returning to Moses, as the prophet Isaiah said would happen in the last days. And so that's the reason why on the evening of the 14th which was last week saturday night we observed passover that's the reason why we're in the feast of unleavened bread right now and that's the reason why that tomorrow sunday the day after the weekly sabbath that happens in the feast of unleavened bread is going to be the feast of first fruits and that's day 1 of counting seven Sabbaths and 50 days." This is really not that complicated, but boy has it become complicated for a lot of people. The reason I wanted to share this with you uh, on this Sabbath while we're observing this is don't be confused by this. This is simple, it's straightforward, just read it straight through exactly as the Scripture says and you won't have a problem figuring this out. Now obviously, we don't get to wave the sheaves of barley in the temple, and we don't get to do these sacrifices, but we can at least know the date. And because we understand the significance of the resurrection of life, and we know that the Messiah came out of the grave on the Feast of First Fruits that year after he'd been buried, you and I celebrate and are reminded of, he has proven that he has the power over death. He has the power over death. He can raise us from the grave. Even though our mortal bodies are destroyed or uh, into ruin, he, he knows how to raise you up. And of course the promise is you get a new body. I'm definitely looking forward to that one. That's I'm 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 about as happy about that as I am the idea of just getting to be alive again. You know, you mean I get a new body with it? Well, that that's that's terrific. I'm going to leave you with a, a touch of humor here, uh, as we conclude the teaching that we have for you on the feast of unleavened bread. There's a story told, and it talks about future things in the kingdom. There's a story told about this. Um, Baptist minister. I can tell Baptist minister jokes because I used to be one. Uh, this Baptist minister, he um, dies. And he's raised, and he goes up to the gates of heaven. And and uh, the big angels up there, and he says, congratulations. Welcome to heaven. Thank you. You know, you got a new body. grade." He said, well, hey, by the way, I got some, something else that you didn't know about. And he said, what's that? And he said, well, you're going to get a new car here in heaven. You're going to be able to drive your car around. So and we got a brand new car for you. He said, well, well, great. He said, what do you got? And he said, here, here's the keys to this brand new Chevy. You're going to love this car. So he said, thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm alive. I got a new body and I got a new Chevy. So he goes over to the car and he gets ready to get in. And behind him, he sees this Catholic priest come in. And the same routine same routines given, being done to him. And he happened to notice they take him over to a Cadillac. They put him in a Cadillac and so you kind of well maybe they got you know just different cars here and so forth but then he continues to look and there's a rabbi that comes in and the rabbi gets a completely different routine they roll out red carpet he just walks straight in he's loaded up in a chauffeur driven limousine so he thinks about that for a moment he goes back over to the angel and he says look he said I want you to know I'm happy to be here and I'm glad I got a new body and, and, and I like the Chevy, I said, but I, I, I don't understand something. I said, how come the, the priest, how, how come he got a Cadillac? And the angel says, oh, oh, well, let me explain that to you. He said, you know, the priest, when he was on the earth, he didn't get to be married, have the joys of life, father, children, things of that nature. And as a result, we kind of give him just a little something extra when he first comes up here. He said, oh, okay. He said, wait a minute. That rabbi that came in after him, he gets to be married. He has children. He gets to do all the normal joys of life. And so how come he, he's in that limousine? He said, oh, I can explain that. He said, he's related to the boss. So I leave that with you with humor. I have good news for you. Whether you realize it or not, you're all related to the boss. I'm sure heaven is going to be a wonderful place, and it's going to come about as a result of the resurrection. So as we observe uh, Passover, Unleavened Bread, and the Feast of Fruits, be mindful of the wonderful plan of redemption that the Lord has given us. Shabbat shalom to all of you. Thank you for joining us. This broadcast has been made possible by the Lord and by the generous donations of brethren like you. If you would like to give a donation to help keep this broadcast on the air, please visit llgive.com. Thank you and shalom.